Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Church podcast. For more information about Highest Praise Church, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sherwood Lancaster. to live, means to, to live in the Spirit. So a lot of times you, we talk about walk in the Spirit, or what does that mean? It means to live. It means constantly live. Live always, um, always, you know, understanding, always being sensitive to the fact that the Holy Spirit is there with you. And the Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, if we walk in the Spirit, we won't gratify the deeds of the flesh. Um, and, and that's very important. And so, so walking means to live. If we live in the Spirit, live being sensitive, live acknowledging, acknowledging the Spirit of God in our life. Some of the things that the flesh gets you in trouble with, um, it, you will overcome. You will overcome. I mean, sometimes it's not the devil's fault. Sometimes it's not the devil's fault. Sometimes, I heard a preacher say one time that, uh, wasn't real, he just said it, that, that he, he left the church one time and, there, and the devil was sitting outside on the sidewalk outside the church and he said devil what's wrong with you he said those people in there blame me for everything and um (laughs) anyway my point is is that you can blame him for for a lot pretty much everything but sometimes we just we just give him the day off and, and, and we just make our own mess with our own flesh you know just just by making bad decisions but if you if you walk if you walk, if you live in the spirit, acknowledging him, then, then he, will, he will help you through that. So anyway, this is what I want to talk about here. So let, let's read this. Let's read uh, in Acts. Uh, I'm, I'm talking, didn't turn myself. Acts chapter number 19 and verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons was brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them, and evil spirits spirits went out of them. How many love to go to a church like that? I mean, that's a, I mean, that's like a Sunday morning service right there. I mean, you go in there, and man, just people getting healed, and 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 the depression, the spirit of the enemy on you just gets completely just come off. I mean, that's just that's just church. That's that's church. That's that that's the anointing of God. That's just resting upon the church, resting upon the people, expecting God to do something. Um, I mean, no, Jesus, Jesus is, is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. He's the Christos. Word Christos, there's where we get to, is, 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 um, is a is root word, or one of the roots for uh, charisma, or charismatic. So it's Christos, Christos, Christ, Jesus Christ. Christ isn't his last name. Christ is who he is. He's the Christ. He's the Christ. So it's, it's, it's his anointing. He's the, it's, it's all about his anoint, the anointed one and his anointing. His anointing. And, and the whole thing here about, about Jesus' life here on this earth is that he spent three and a half years uh, te- with the disciples teaching them about the thing. He said, greater works than these shall you do because of the anointing, because of the anointing that was upon his life. He gave them the ability to do it, the ability to do it. And so when Jesus left, the good thing about it is when Jesus left and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, but the Christos, the Christ part is still here on this earth. Okay? And so he taught, he taught his disciples, he taught the apostles how to walk in that anointing, how to walk with the Spirit, the same Spirit he did. He taught them because another root word of the disciple is discipline, is discipline. How many wants to be a disciple of Christ? Well, let me tell you what a disciple of Christ is, then I'll probably get more hands. A disciple of Christ is a follower of Christ. So how many followers of Christ do I have? 
There should be everybody in this room. So that means how many disciples of Christ do you have? There should be everybody in this room if, you, if you're a follower of Christ. Would it be a, a follower of Christ, to be a disciple of Christ, mean you have to be disciplined? Discipline. You don't, you don't become a disciple just by showing up at church or, walk, or hanging out with Jesus. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to be disciplined. And so God disciplines us, and he, 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 he disciplines us just like you discipline your children. Dis, discipline doesn't always give them a beating. <laughs> Sometimes discipline means you've got to teach them something. You've got to teach them so they can walk in it. Understand? So they can, so they can represent your family. They can represent you. I mean, my, my mom used to let me know quick, if I went to somebody else's house, then I was, I'm representing our family. Boy, don't you go around like an idiot now and come back and bring reproach on our family. I mean, you get a beating quick like that. And so, um, and so we, 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 we're representative of Christ. And so we do that because we're disciplined. And so you know, it's, just, it's a disciple of Christ. And so, so obviously we walk in that. That's how we walk in the spirit. We understand as followers that, that, that the Christ part of us is, is on us, is with us. Um, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 33, verse 25, part B, if you will, it says, as your days be, so shall your strength be. So shall your strength be. Talking about strength. Walking in the strength. As your day be, so shall your strength be. How many know that God will give you strength for your day? We've got to understand. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. God will anoint you for the season that you're in. Um, the, the, the word anoint there actually is the presence and power of God. That the presence and power of God will change, intensify, will, will, will form itself in such a way to operate in your life depending upon the season or the time in which you're in. Sometimes we have a good day and sometimes we have a bad day. Sometimes we go through easy seasons, sometimes we go through hard seasons. The Bible says regardless of the season, regardless of the time that you're in, his strength always changes. How many sometimes I need more or I need a different, um, I don't want to say this, I need, I need something different from Holy Spirit than I did yesterday. Same Holy Spirit, different operations. So I had time to do that, go in there. So, so or not the Holy Spirit, he's just the same. We, we build entire denominations based on we think we got the Holy Spirit figured out. He, he, he didn't say that, did he? Yes, he did. He said we build entire denominations based on the fact we think we got the Holy Spirit figured out and we, this is all he can do. But I'm here to tell you, thank God we haven't got him figured out and, and that's not all he does. Whatever we need, he can become it. Amen. Same Holy Spirit, different operation. Sometimes we need like fire, sometimes like wind, sometimes like oil, sometimes like a dove. Anyway, he shows up. So that's what, the, that's what this scripture teaches us. Good season or bad season, it would match your season. But when God changes the season or the day, he changes the anointing that's on your life. The covering, the anointing means that is what is on you. You wear it like a coat. I like to, um, I, I like to, uh, I like to pray sometimes, you know, God, you let me wear you like a coat, Lord. So even though they see me, it's to you it's actually you because God you know what I need today you know what I need to to articulate this word to your people and so it this might be a different crowd and it was even last service might be a different son it was last next week might be different how many knows regardless regardless of the situation the Holy Spirit he knows how to show up so this money might be different than last money so it might it might be a great money well last money was just a Monday all day long but I mean you know sometimes I walk around here and it's Monday like at three o'clock and I say it's been a long week and I say wait a minute it's not but Monday but I mean God will give you strength for that he'll give you strength for that so the anointing is when the spirit of God comes upon you to give you a certain ability in a certain area to do something for God it's the anointing it does that it gives you a certain ability to do a certain thing for God God doesn't anoint you just to, I mean, 
just to show up at church. You come to church because you want to please him. You want to, God, be honest with you, God doesn't anoint, anoint you to live right. You live right because you make a decision to live right. Okay? But there is certain abilities and, and, and certain areas to do something for God. And he anoints you. He gives you the power to better do that. I want to settle that up because I want to read this story. Um, Acts chapter 19, verse 11. I stopped it. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So even the handkerchief and apron was brought his body to the sick. And diseases was with, that was on them left them. And, his, and the evil spirits came out of them. Why? Because Paul is an apostle. And the Christos, the, the, the anointing of God is upon his life. And that's what happens. And so some of the um, itinerant, the itinerant uh, Jewish exorcists come to, upon, took it upon themselves. Be careful whenever we take it upon ourselves to do something that we need God for. Okay? There's some areas of your life that's like, you know, I just need to pray about this. You know, I, I need God to help me with this. Be careful whenever we take it upon ourselves to do something that only God can do. These jokers here, they're itinerant Jewish people. And, and, and these, we're going to find out here in a second. We've heard on verse 14 that there are seven sons of Sceva. Sceva is the last name of a, of a Jewish chief priest. Okay? And they're the sons of him. And so they're, they're privileged, if you will. So they're showing up not in the name of Jesus the Christ like Paul is. They're showing up um, as sons of, of the chief uh, Jewish chief priest, Sceva. And so they're showing up and they call themselves the Jewish itinerant Jews. In other words, they're the ones that, that they believe that because of who they are, not under Christ, but who their daddy is on earth, not in heaven, then they think that they can just, they can, you know, if Paul can do it, then we can do it because of who we are. And so they're showing up and doing that. And so they're, they're fakers. They're fakers is what they are. And so they took it upon themselves to call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus, who over, who, who, the, over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you. To, to exercise, that means to command. You, you command. Anytime you're commanding the devil to do something, that's, that's an exercise. That's an exercise. You command him if he listens to you. But how many know if the devil don't listen to you, you can't do anything with him? So you have to make sure that there's, there's a greater power in you, that you don't take it upon yourself. The devil's not afraid of you. He's afraid of, what, of the word that God has over you. Okay, we'll deal with that in a second. By the, by, the, by the Jesus, say, say we're going to command you, this way, we're going to command you by, by the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And these seven sons, Sceva, of the Jewish chief priests who did so, and the evil spirits answered and says, Jesus, we have knowledge of. Paul, we have heard of, but we don't have a clue who you are. Have me know it's very important not because you introduce yourself to him and you and the devil are not on speaking terms, but it's because of the life that you live, it's important that the enemy knows who you are. Amen. You say, well, I'm going to run for him. I don't want him to know who I am. Oh, he knows who you are, whether it's good or bad. He, know, he knows who you are. But, but here, they, they, they thought they were a part of Paul. They're not part of Paul. And the enemy says, we don't have a clue who you are. So... First thing I want you to notice here with this, why in the world would these seven sons of Sceva, why would these sons of the Jewish priests decide they can do what Paul does? And Paul's operating under the anointing. He's operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of times when you're walking under the power of God's Spirit, it makes things look easier than what it really is. 
Sometimes people want to be a part of you. Sometimes people want to do what you do. I want to go to the same church you're doing. I need to do something they're doing. They don't realize it has, to be honest with you, it has nothing to do with what happens on the outside. It happens what, what happens on the inside to me. And so this is what these guys here are looking at. And, and so the, 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 the anointing will, 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 will bind you, will, will blind people or the person watching you to the difficult of the task. They don't realize that in order to get, there's two things you got to get to get the anointing of God to rest upon your life or to walk in the spirit. Number one is consecration. Number two is obedience. You say, oh, I thought I needed a tape series or well, we don't make tape series anymore. I thought I needed a, what, DVD? <laughs> Anyway, I thought I needed a series of sermons to be able to tell me exactly what I needed to do to walk into anointing. You need to consecrate yourself. The word consecration means live holy. What does holy mean? Holy means leave, live separate in this world. How many knows if you want to walk on the anointing and power of God, you don't get it because how someone else is praying or how someone else is living. How, you, got, you got to do it by how you're praying and how you're living. It's not what's on them that gives you the power of the enemy. It's what's on you to give you the power of the enemy. And so you're walking right. You're, you're walk, you consecrate yourself. You separate yourself and you're living holy. And the next thing is obedience. Is obedience. You're, just obe- you're being obedient to God. All you got to do is say yes, Lord. You know why you got to say yes, Lord? Because there's no such thing as no, Lord. There's, it's, it's oxymoron. You cannot say no and Lord at the same time. Because if you say no, then the next word out of your mouth cannot be Lord because whatever you say no to cannot be your Lord. But the Lord is someone who's over you, who, who, who has authority over you, who speaks over you. And so obedience means we're walking, we're walking under the covering that God, we might not understand it and we might not even like it, but we just say yes, Lord. Okay, so that's how we get the anointing, how we walk into it. So a, 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 one thing important about the anointing is that you can, you can act out everything else, but you cannot act out the anointing. I mean, you can come up here and act like you're a, a good person because you're keeping the nursery or because you're standing at the door, you're welcoming people or you're on the parking team or, or whatever. But how many knows you can, you can fake that, but you can't fake the power of God upon your life. Either you have it or you don't. Either you're walking in obedience and you're walking in consecration. Therefore, the Spirit of God is living on your life and you're walking in the strength and power of God or you're not. You can pretend like you tell everybody, but, you, but either you have it or either you don't. That's the whole thing about the anointing. God anoints you to change something. How you know the presence of God is on your life? Because it puts it come, comes upon your life to change something. If God anoints you, he don't anoint you just to come to church. He anoints you to come to church and change something. Amen. It might be the person standing beside you. It might be the atmosphere in the house. It might, be some, it might just be your presence because the presence of God, remember the Christos, the, the charisma of God changed the entire, the entire atmosphere of the room. So the anointing of God changes something. It fixes something. It confronts something. Trouble will come, but God will anoint you to confront the problem. You know you have the power of God on your life because regardless of what you're going through, God will give you the ability to get through it. Why? Because you've chosen this day who you're going to serve. It's more important. I mean, there's sometimes the dumb, stupid stuff that your flesh will start with that. But especially the enemy tries to get you to do. It's not worth losing everything that God has for you. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. He's a liar. He tries to convince you that it's worth it, but it's not, it's not worth it. The one thing that we see here is these, as these seven sons, these seven dudes show up with Paul. The first thing we want to see here is that most of the time when you're walking with a powerful anointing on your life because you're consecrating yourself, because you're being obedient to the things of God, you'll find yourself losing more people. 
In other words, put it this way. Who you thought was your family, or well, you know who your family is, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> you get to pick your friends, you can't pick your family, right? But who you thought was your friend is not your friend. Because you, because you decide to live a consecrated life. You decide to live a holy life. You decide to live an obedient life. And you're hanging out with some friends and you thought they loved you. They don't really love you. They love doing things with you. They, they love because you were propping them up. You were making them feel good about something bad that was going on in their life. Because, you know, misery loves company. But then you decide, you know what? I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm not going to act that way anymore. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to consecrate myself to a holy God. And then, and then you feel like, okay, I'm walking in the spirit. I'm walking in the strength of almighty God. And then you start, you start losing people. But the, the, the more anointing, the less people. When you lose people, you're not losing. You know, the people that used to call you want to go out. You, they don't call you to go out anymore. They don't call you to, you to tell your dirty jokes anymore. They don't call you to go out drinking anymore. They don't call you, you know, to go watch stuff you shouldn't have been watching before. But, but what, you're, you're not losing anything. God is revealing things to you. Understand, you got to understand things in your life just because there's sometimes you think you're regressing, there's some things you think you're losing in your life, but you're not losing. God is revealing. And what God will do whenever you start walking in the strength, walking in the Spirit of God, and, and people start, the people used to hang out with, used to run with, don't want to hang out with you anymore, it's not the fact that you're losing, it's that God is revealing. And if they can, lose, if they can leave you, they were never with you. So there are some people you are hanging your entire future on their friendship, but they will leave you in a heartbeat if you don't do everything and say everything and be everything they want you to be. When you start changing, they should be happy for you. They should celebrate you. They should, you know, pump you up. They should celebrate whether they, whether they want or not, they should be happy that you're happy. And so we, the Bible begins to teach us whenever God starts revealing, he begins to reveal who is with us and who is not with us and who is with you cannot leave you. Just because they are with you does not mean they are with you. I mean, we found that out with, uh, with, with Judas, with Jesus. He was with him, but he wasn't with him. And so we see these, my whole point in bringing that up is, is that these seven sons of Sceva showed up with Paul and acted like they were with Paul. But they weren't with Paul. They just showed up because Paul was doing some pretty cool stuff. They were casting devils. He was healing people. And they thought, well, my goodness, they're getting the notoriety that we're supposed to be getting. So we're going to act like we're hanging out with him. And so they began to do that. And then they began to realize that, that the, son, the son of Sceva was not with them. You have to understand that, that one man that has the power of God on his life can outdo 400 people who, who are faking it. Here are seven guys who are faking it. And we read the rest of it. Read the next one that, that the Bible says in verse 16. And the man in whom the evil spirit was on, they were going to try to cast out, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I mean, it's one thing to kick a man's rear end, but man, God, don't, don't rip his clothes off and make him run in the house naked. That's how bad they were, they were defeated. Want to know why? Because they were pretending like they were a part of something they want. They were fakers. We better make sure right now, church, that, that there's been a time in the church age that we could fake it. We could come to school, and come to church, and act like we're one thing here and be something else out there. But we're living in a time and an era right now, as far as, the, as far as where the church is prophetically right now, that you better make sure that you're not a faker. Hmm? And one Christian who is walking in the spirit and the presence and the power of Almighty God can outdo 450 fakers. 
You could go to a church that has 450 fakers in it and you can be the only one in there that is walking and consecrated and obedient to the things of God and, and that one person there can change the entire atmosphere of the entire church. <clears throat> the point I'm going to make is in 1 Kings chapter number 18. In 1 Kings chapter number 18, Elijah. We know the story, if you don't, you probably heard of it. Elijah goes up to Mount Carmel. <clears throat> goes up to Mount Carmel because Jezebel, Jezebel and Ahab is, is serving false gods. And so Elijah has had enough of it. He goes up to Mount Carmel. When he goes up to Mount Carmel, it's him all by himself. It's Elijah all by himself. The Baal prophets, which is false prophets, which is a false gods, there's 450. So God, so, so Elijah says, you know what? You need to choose which side you're going to be on. Because you can't fake it until you make it. Because it's not going, that's not going to work anymore. And so they got up there and so he told the 450 prophets, he says, I want you to make a sacrifice, put it, put it, put wood under it, do everything but light the fire. And I want you to call upon your God that he would send fire down from heaven to consume that sacrifice. Everybody remember that story? 450 of them. And here's Elijah right by himself. Just hanging out. 450 of them. The 450 don't get there. They dance, they shout, they do backflips, they do everything they possibly can do. Trying to get fire to come down from heaven from their false gods. But they're fakers. They're fakers. It's not happening. When all that happened, then, then Elijah turns around and he says, okay, obviously he's not showing up, so let me do it. So then Elijah turns around and then he takes the sacrifice, builds him an altar, and then he does something else. He takes water. He takes pitchers of water and begins to pour all over the sacrifice. He even digs a, he even digs a, a, a trench all the way around the, the altar and he pours water in it. You say, well, that's, that's dumb because, you know, it, it's, it's going to be harder for it to light. Well, the biggest thing here was something else that he was saying because he hadn't rained in three and a half years. How many know if he hadn't rained in three and a half years and you're going to have a bottle of water? How many know this is probably the most precious thing we've got in this building right now? If rain has not fell from this guy in this area for three and a half years and I'm up here drinking water like it's no big deal, how many knows it would be a big deal? That joker has water. It's water up there because it's been 300 years of dryness, 300 year, I mean, three, year, three and a half years of dryness, 300 years of famine. But then Elijah began to call upon the name of the Lord and the Bible said that fire fell down from heaven and it consumed the sacrifice. I was reading that and God spoke to me. He said this. He said, the church has been in a dry place. The church has been in a famine place. But get ready. If we, if we stop being fakers and start being, being people that walk in the power of God, we're going to see the fire of God fall down from heaven again. <clears throat> Amen. How many is ready for that? Because the fakers can't do it. The fakers can't do it. And so before he did that, Paul, uh, Elijah turned around to all, the, the, all the, the Jewish people who was there. He says, you need to decide, you need to decide which side you're going to be on. Yes. Guys, we got to decide which side we're going to be on. There are denominations right now that are splitting the churches are pulling away because they're having to decide which side are they on. Are you going to, be, are you going to satisfy what men wants or are you going to stand in the gap and decide what God wants? You got to make a decision. If you live long enough, and you will, if you serve God long enough, you're going to have to make a decision. I know you made a decision you got saved, but to walk with the Lord, you're going to find yourself coming upon some, a lot of different decisions. You got to decide whose side you're on. 
you got to remind yourself on whose side you're on. And so obviously we see this because um, we, we realize that, that we have to understand because we don't want to be fakers. We want to be people, we want to be people who, is, who is there. Just because they're, they're with you does, does not mean they're with you. They're with you because they cannot leave you. That's why Elijah, whenever Elijah, same story, Elijah, whenever he left, he went up on a chariot of fire. He told Elisha, he says, you need to leave. You need to stay right here. And Elisha says, I'm not leaving you. He said, I'm going to come over here and go across the water and something's going to happen. So you need to stay here. He says, I said, I'm not going to leave you. And he goes over there and because he did not leave Elijah, he received everything that Elijah got when he went up on the chariots of fire because he wouldn't leave you. Naomi, Naomi went to Ruth and, and Ruth told Naomi, or Naomi told Ruth, he says, girl, you need to stay here in the land which you're in. You don't need to go back with me because the land I'm going to, you, you, you belong here in Moab. I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah. But, but Ruth would not leave Naomi. She says, no, I'm not going to leave you. We know the offer. She left, left her. I mean, some people can't leave you and some people can't leave you. And because she didn't leave Naomi, she became, her name is now written in the genealogy because she became the, the wife of Boaz because she won't leave you. Don't let people talk you out of a generational blessing that God has for you. The devil tried his best to get Jesus to leave the Father. Three times. If you be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you be the Son of God, he said, get up on this mountain. And talk. We know three different times he tried to get in the leaving, but he never would. You want to know why? Because he's with them. And we're living an hour and a day right now, church. It's not time to be a fake church member. It needs to be a choose this day. And whenever the devil tries to get you to go on the other side, I'm not leaving him because I can't leave him because I've been spiritually woven into it. And that's what we're seeing right now in the church. And the good news of it is this, I don't like these numbers, but 450 can leave today and go underneath the fake gods in this world. But as long as we have one, that one is a thousand times more powerful than the 450 fakers. And that's what Elijah proved to us that day. He says, man, though none go with me, still I will follow because I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen. So anyway, this is what it's teaching us. All this is teaching us here. So the Bible says that evil will answer those who pretend, and it was challenged the hypocrite, not those who struggle. How many knows a hypocrite is not somebody who struggles? Sometimes we struggle. Why do we struggle? Not because we're walking away from God, just because it gets tough. Sometimes it gets hard. But the one thing is, is you got to understand that the enemy will come against us, and especially one who is, who is playing games with them. That we cannot be, have two identities. We can't be one person at church and one person away from church. We've got to be the same person all the time. And that's what the enemy is, is, is trying to get us to separate, and that's what God is trying to teach us here. Well, you know why? Because victory is not as easy as it looks. I said victory is not as easy as it looks. Just because you're at church this morning and you're smiling, you put lipstick on and, if you're a woman and, uh, and you put on a good clean shirt if you're a man and you come to church today. How many of you know that that is, that this cause you show up don't mean you're walking in victory. Victory means you've gone through a warfare. Come on church. Victory means you've been through a battle. Victory means you've been fighting, you've been screaming, you've been going. They don't have, nobody has a clue what goes on in your prayer closet, what's going on here. But you can stand here today and throw your hands up and worship the name of the Lord thy God because you have the victory. Why do you have the victory? Because you've been fighting. And you don't know how much fight you have until you've been in a good, you don't know how much faith you have until you've been in a good fight. But when you've been, good, when you've been in a good fight, then you realize that God is faithful. Yeah. Amen. 
And so we see here that that is is, is victory here, and and, and we, we want to make sure we get the we, we get the victory. We, we we walk into victory, and and you cannot have exceptional anointing without having exceptional battles. You know the reason why the Spirit of God is strong on you. The reason why that you have the power and you believe God's going to do what He says He's going to do because you're going through exceptional battles. Sometimes we have to remember what God has delivered us from. Sometimes we have to remember ourselves what God had brought us from. Sometimes we've got to remember who we would have been, could have been, should have been, but God. I mean, do I have anybody here like that? <clears throat> I mean, we could have been taken out, but we won't taken out because God, because God was always there. He was with us every single way. So to get the anointing, you have to go through the pressure. <laughs> the point here is I want to make, which I brought that up, is, is that these seven sons of Sceva looked at Paul and thought, well, if he can do it, we can do it. Well, you don't realize they don't know all the hell that Paul's going through. They don't know he's been shipwrecked. They don't know that he used to be Saul and he has to worry about all that he has to remember, bring back to remembrance all the things that we used to do. They, 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 they didn't know that the man's been stoned <clears throat> and thought to death and left him for dead. But look at him now. Watch out for people who don't, who wants to be a part of what you've got, but don't want to go through what it is you've gone through. And this is what fakers do, and this is what they were going through here. But you've gone through some stuff, and, and you've gone through it. And, and because, because I was bringing up in the first service a while ago, that we, sometimes we go to the Olive Garden, and they, I guess because his name was the Olive Garden, they'll put an olive in the salad. I mean, I don't eat them, period, but they'll put it on my table. And my wife and my kids, they're fighting over the olive. There ain't like two olives in this thing. I mean, so, I'm like, who wants a little black grape? Nobody wants to eat that thing. Why? But I've looked at it and picked it up. But the anointing in God means to rub. The anointing means to rub. And, and, and it rubs because it's symbolic to the anointing is oil. It's the, it's the olive oil. So the olive oil is symbolic to the liquid presence of God. And so we go through, I go through a whole teaching in Old Testament teaching how people was consecrated and set apart being anointed by oil. Oil literally getting on their hands as symbolic of the anointing of God consecrating and setting them apart. And they will use the oil. They'll use the olive oil. The olive oil as symbolic as the liquid presence of God. And so to see that oil placed upon prophet, priests, and kings meant they were prophet, priests, and kings because they can see the residue or they can see the anointing or they can see the liquid presence of God upon them. But then how many of those we get the new covenant that we don't have to literally put, we do it as a symbolic, but now Jesus is the liquid presence of God. He's the one now. We begin to see his reflection upon our life and we realize that we are prophet, priests, and kings. That was good. We are prophet, priests, and kings. But my point of it is, is that you get the, the oil comes from that olive, that same olive that's placed upon your salad that y'all fight over there at the Olive Garden. And you sit there and you look at it and say, well, there's no, like, you would shake it like, there should be some oil in this thing. You know, right? I mean, there should be some oil in it. But, but to get the oil out, you have to crush it. You have to press it. And they would take oil and they put it in vats and they would press it. And, and, and to, get, to get olive oil out, it's by taking a whole bunch of olives and just press it. And the, and the anointing begins, or, or the liquid begins to, begins, to, begins, to, just begins to flow out of it. See, that's how you become anointing. You get on because you go through some pressure. You go through some things. And because of what you're going through, what you thought was God was taking you out, God is actually bringing you in. And it's because of the contact. It's because of the pressure. It's because of the battle that you're not weaker because of the battle. You're stronger because of the battle. Because God has anointed you for the battle. 
I used my golf game a while ago, and Mr. Brown was laughing at me because he has like 18. He can't use this story because he, when he plays golf, he has 18 good holes. I might have one. But it's that one that keeps me coming back. <laughs> so I can play 18. I can have 17, which is most time the case, disastrous holes. It's like, what is wrong with my club? What is wrong with this ball? Why is it going that way? Why is it going that way? Why can't it just, and you do that. But then as, as God will have it, I, I'll, I'll, have that, I'll have that one hole. Well, I'll just, you know, come off the tee box, right in the middle of the fairway, walk out there, me a nine iron on the green grab my putter walk up there in the hole then I get to walk up there and go ah tweet birdie tweet it's a birdie tweet tweet <laughs> and I look at my score and that one little minus just Helps the bleeding a little bit. It's a hundred and something, but you know. And so I leave thinking, okay, I'm going to take like three weeks off. I'm going to quit. I can't do this. But I get thinking, but wait a minute. If I did every hole like I did that one hole, then I'd be a great golfer. So I forget all about the 17 bad holes and I begin to celebrate the one good hole. <clears throat> you want to know why? Because that one hole was a victory. See, that's what victories is. Victories, you, you walk in victory because you, you overcome something. And so that's what we do in our life. That, that God will give you, you might go through a lot of things in your life that you feel like you stumbled and you fell and maybe the enemy got the best of you, but then you will have a victory. I don't mean you just learn to live underneath it. <clears throat> See, a lot of people, a lot of, I'm going to say it, a lot of churches teach their church people how to be as comfortable as they can underneath the enemy's hand. Teach you how to treat the symptom. If you're fighting and you're battling depression, then this is how you need to treat it. If, you, if you're sick, then, then this is how you need to live under that sickness. Because we really don't believe in the power and the glory of God to come in and heal, deliver us, and set us free anymore. He'll teach you how to have joy even though your children are not saved yet and they're getting farther and farther away from God. But then God will put you under some people who has experienced victory. That has experienced getting healed. We hope you enjoyed this message from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate through our website, highestpraisechurch.com. And if you would like to stay up to date with all that God is doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at highest.praisechurch and like us on Facebook at Highest Praise Church. We can't wait to see you soon.